Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast with your hosts, Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. Today, we have a special guest on the podcast. His name is Ken Bevel. Uh, You may have heard his name from movies like Courageous and Fireproof, and you're going to hear from him and what he is doing today to serve the Lord. Ken, thank you for joining us again. This is our podcast is called the Be Disciples Podcast, and uh, really it's an outreach to our community. And the main goal that we have is for others to listen to myself and Kyle just have natural conversations about Scripture. Uh, you know, teaching people what it's like. Hey, if you were to have coffee with somebody and sit across the table f- from them, that let the Scriptures do all the work. Just let them hear the words of Jesus, decide for themselves, and then you encourage them along the way. So that's kind of the nature of our podcast. And we've brought you on because, um, you know, we know that you love the Lord and you got a lot to say. So I think in today's interview, uh, we just want to ask a few things. Uh, really, what's your story? Okay. You've obviously got an interesting story, so we want to hear how... <laughs> God has worked in your life, and we know you from Fireproof and Courageous, but uh, aside from the movie itself, you know, like, how, how has God worked in your life, and how did you okay. reach that point? The second question is, really, as a pastor, you know, in your church, what are y'all doing right now in these days that we're living in to reach people? So okay. I think I'm going to ask Pastor Kyle to pray, mm-hmm. and then we're just going to jump into the first question. Okay, very good. Uh, Father, uh, just bless this time that we have together in conversation uh, and that it would glorify your name uh, and that people would be encouraged uh, by our conversation, spur them on in their relationship with you, Lord, to go out and be a disciple and to make disciples for you, Lord. So again, just bless this time and allow us to just have fun doing this and uh, serve you in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, we have uh, Pastor Ken Bevel here with us, and um, forgive me, I just want to make sure, you are at Sherwood Baptist Church, and, and that's in Georgia, but where specifically in Georgia? There, the, the name of the city that we're in is called Albany, Georgia, but if you're in the South, it's called Albany, long on the all and short on the Benny. That's, <laughs> that's where we are. <laughs> so really, the first question is, what's your story, you know? Okay. Again, we know you from Fireproof. We know you from Courageous. And that obviously has a story in and of itself. But if you would, what's God the Holy Spirit done in your life, bringing you from unconverted to converted and all the details in between as much as you'd like to share with us? How can you encourage our, our listeners with what God has done? Fantastic. I, I would love to share that. Um, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, that's where my family grew up at. My mother was in the home and my father was in the home. And, and, uh, man, I just lo- I thought life was great. I mean, we weren't, we weren't a, uh, we weren't a, a family that made a lot of money or a fluent family. Actually, we were very poor and, uh, we grew up, but man, life was great. You know, my dad would go to work at a steel mill and, uh, he would come home and, uh, if you've ever been in the South, you know, at night, just everybody comes out and they're kind of hanging on their porches and they're cooking fried chicken and cornbread and just everything. And, and man, life was just great. And uh, my dad, uh, I love my dad dearly. I would see him come home uh, at night and uh, man, I would run down the street to grab him and embrace him. And then, you know, we'd run back together. 
And, uh, but man, my dad had an issue and he just had a, had a problem with dealing with everyday life, just like everybody else. And so his one vice was alcohol. He started with alcohol and he'd come home and just have a drink to calm down. And, and then as the problems started mounting, you know, that alcohol abuse became worse and worse. And he went from alcohol to, to drugs and from light drugs to heavy drugs. And I saw my family go down downhill very, very fast. And so uh, after my dad left, um, my mom was left with five children and uh, man, probably in a room, probably about the size of my office. And uh, man, that's how we live. And, um, you know, things were hard, very hard. And, and uh, as a young man, I needed an affirmation of another man. And so my mom kept us in church. You know, we were in church 24 seven. And uh, I was, as a young man, I was thinking, I was like, man, what else is there to life? And so I got out and and uh, just dip my feet. You know, I want to say dip my feet, but I actually submerged myself into the world. And uh, man, the world had everything on the outside to offer, but nothing on the inside. And uh, and I followed that. So at the age of 17, I knew I was going to be dead in jail on drugs. And so I joined the Marine Corps. Um, man, life was great. You know, and uh, I tell myself, I tell others, I said, hey, what other place can I go to and do everything I did on the street and get paid for it? And that place was the Marine Corps. I love it dearly. I retired after 20 years, but man, it, it just really, as a young man, it, it affirmed me. You know, it gave me everything that I thought I needed. You know, when I ran fast, they put a medal on my chest. When I swam fast and shot straight and all these different things and went on all these different deployments, you know, they, 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 um, uh, supported me or, you know, gave accolades, you know, the more things I did. And so as a young man, that's what I clung to. Um, but shortly after that, I started getting into a whole lot of trouble um, because as many people know, even though your environment changes, but your attitude doesn't change or your mind doesn't change, you're still the same person. And uh, after I ended up getting into a lot of trouble, um, I was, uh, I thought about three things. I thought about committing suicide because the problems that I was going through uh, were going to put me in jail, in a federal jail, uh, not just a regular jail. Um, I thought about running away. Uh, and then I thought about something my mother had told me. She said, son, the day you hear the Lord's voice, don't harden your heart. And uh, I got on that, that floor in my room, in my barracks room. And I said, Lord, if you are real, I need to know right now. And uh, man, just like scripture talks about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding came right there in that room. And although uh, the situation was still the same, I felt like a different person, but it's not all about feelings. Uh, I went to a Walmart parking lot and I saw three guys in the parking lot and they said, hey, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I said, I don't, but I need to. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ right there in that Walmart parking lot. And uh, my life has never been the same. And I tell people and I'll tell the listeners today, you know, man, you can get anything from Walmart. Even Jesus could be hanging out at the parking lot in Walmart. And so that was the journey that started, um, you know, me giving or surrendering my life to Jesus Christ was the single event that started a complete, complete turnaround in my life. Wow. That just brought me to tears. Uh, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you for sharing that we've had many hours in a Walmart parking lot sharing the gospel That's right. and um, your, your evidence that it works. <laughs> That's right, brother. That's right. That's right. That's right. So tell us a little bit more about your journey. So post 
coming to know the Lord? How did God use you after that? Uh, after you know, you know, turn your life over to Him, and where did it go? Where did it take you? Okay, um, you know, I after that happened, it was almost like God was like, okay, now I've got your attention, and and I've got somewhere for you to go, and and, and it's going to take you're going to get there really fast. And so, uh, man, I can't tell you that you know. I read the Bible, sat down and read the Bible from cover to cover after that, you know, after that salvation experience. I can't tell you that my life was perfect after that salvation experience, but I can tell you I was changed. And so God decided to do something in and through my life. And so I went back to the base that I was at because I was still in the military. And um, this lady came to the base and she said, hey, are you Corporal Bevel? I said, yes, ma'am. She says, I heard about you. She said, I understand your situation. She said, but I, I am here to move you. Uh, they have dropped all the charges on you. And so it is time for you to go. It was just a picture of God's mercy because I was guilty. And that's what mercy is, man. We're guilty. We're guilty of sin, but God in his mercy steps in and, and, and saves us. And so I was guilty, but she sent me somewhere else. And uh, the Lord started changing my life, putting me around some great men. That taught me about how to pray, how to go to church, you know, uh, about my life, the way I talk, you know, just all those different aspects really discipled me. And uh, and so the Lord started, you know, just doing incredible things. And after almost court martialing me, the Marine Corps said, hey, man, you'd be a great leader. So we're going to send you to college. And so uh, I graduated with high school out of high school with a 1.8 GPA. Uh, and they sent me to college and uh, I went to the University of Memphis, um, majored in computer engineering technology. And so you can tell that I made a 1.8 because nobody would ever take up a task like that after <laughs> 1.8 in high school. And uh, man, God started using it. You know, he started using it. And I would, I would love to say, hey, I was in the books all the time. Um, but man, God was showing me, even in college, he was like, you see that guy over there? You see that drug dealer over there? I want you to go talk to him. You see that prostitute over there? Go talk to her. And so God was like, hey, if you take care of what I've called you to take care of, I'll take care of everything else. And so even though I was studying and doing my studies and different things like that, man, I, I still felt a very strong call to be out on the streets evangelizing and witnessing. And so um, I graduated at the top of my class, but at the same time, I got to see a lot of people come to know Jesus Christ. And so that was extremely fulfilling. And God just started continuing to grow me. I became a Marine officer and, uh, man, just, you know, Marines under my charge, praying for them, leading Bible studies was great. And uh, and then I went to a place called the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California, and I got my master's degree there. And uh, it was time for my wife and I to transfer, go to another duty station. My plan was to be a general officer in the Marine Corps and, and a believer. I was like, man, God, there are very few of those. I said, so I want to be one. Yeah. And he was like, that's a good plan, but that's not my plan. <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, so I came to Albany, Georgia, and uh, man, uh, did not want to come here. Um, but God led us to Sherwood. Uh, did not know anything about the movies. Did not know anything about what the church was about. Everybody I talked to said, hey, you need to go to this church. The insurance guy the lady at the restaurant. I mean, just everybody was like, you need to go to this church and God confirmed it. And so when I got there, uh, they told me about the movies and um, I auditioned for one of the movies in Fireproof. Uh, I was still an active duty officer when we did this um, and got the part. Uh, I'm not an actor, have never pursued acting, never wanted to act. 
uh, God has just used this as a platform for me to share the gospel in some difficult places. Amen. Amen. And that, that continued to the movie Courageous, too. I mean, you know, one thing that uh, I recognize from those films, and it's so interesting that you say, you know, I'm not an actor. You can actually see that in the film because it doesn't feel, you know, like when you're playing your role, it doesn't feel like you're acting. You, you've always stood out in my mind because I feel like you were just speaking the truth and who we see you on, you know, the recording right now or on, on our, our Zoom is exactly what you saw there. And that's the coolest thing. It's just like a, a transparency and a, a love and praise God for that, you know? Well, man, I, I would tell you this, man. Um, if we can just, as believers, just bring God what we have, you know, just our church always says, is, hey, you know, two fish and five loaves of bread. You know, this little boy brought his lunch to Jesus and Jesus used it to multiply and feed the masses. And that's what God is asking of us as believers. He's not telling us to do some extraordinary thing out of our own abilities. He's saying, look, sister, brother, bring, just bring what you have and allow me to multiply. And see, that's where the joy comes in. And the, the, the more trusting in God comes in is when I take it, when I take God something that I know that I have not worked at, or I have not cultivated on my own, and he takes it and multiplies it, he's the only one that can get the glory from it. And so when we see the movies, man, we're probably more blown away than anybody else when we look at the movies. Because we can't believe that God did such a big thing in a small town like Albany, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, when you when you left the military and when you transitioned to civilian life and, you know, where where has God taken you in ministry um, okay. after that process? OK, um, right around year 18, I was uh, in Afghanistan, a place called Bagram, Afghanistan, and uh, I was there. Uh, you know, doing some equipment transfers from Iraq to Afghanistan. And it was, you know, just a big thing. And it was, it was great. And I just kind of kept seeking the Lord. And the Lord was like, all right, it's time to retire. Said, time to retire. I was probably on year number 18. And uh, I was like, man, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm up for promotion. I mean, man, things are just going extremely well. Um, using my education, you know, the job I was in and Things were going well, but I could hear God's voice clearly saying, it is time for you to get out. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. And I went back and I told my wife, I said, honey, I said, um, I said, I think it's time for me to retire. And I mean, she just could not believe it. None of my friends could believe it because I was the person with the, the starched hat. You know, my boots were shiny, you know, and uh, physically fit. You know, I mean, I was just I mean, just sold out to with the Marine Corps. Uh, had for me and uh, but God was like nope this is it this is this is the end of the road and so I came back to my base and uh, I start putting in my paperwork to retire just being obedient to what the Lord's calling me I didn't know what was next and so um, I put my paperwork in and the general called me in and he was like hey what is this you know you're doing so well you're up for promotion and I was like well sir I said um you know I started trying to beat around the bush because he wasn't saved <laughs> I was like uh you know, I, I think, you know, it's my time. You know how I want it's your time. He's like, no, really. He's like, tell me, tell me why you're retiring. And he said, I told him, I said, I believe the Lord is calling me out of the Marine Corps. And you know what he told me? He says, I can see that. You know what? Even even unsaved people can see uh, the presence of God on your life when you're being obedient. And so he was like, that's great. He was like, I'm going to sign off on your retirement papers, but I'm not the person that you have to worry about. 
I used to work for another general and he was now in charge of the logistics for the Marine Corps. And so he's a three-star general. And so I call him and I tell him the same exact thing. I said, hey, you know, I'm getting out. You know, I feel it's my time. He was like, no, tell me why you're really getting out. I said, I believe it's God calling me out. He said the same exact thing. He says, I can see that. And so he comes down, he does my retirement. And uh, I preach on Micah, um, you know, and, uh, with, you know, what does the Lord require of you? You know, and uh, and so when he comes, because he's a three-star general, every other general officer in the area has to come. And so I ended up preaching a sermon to every general officer in the Eastern region during that time. I was like, I only got one shot at this. I might as well take it. <laughs> and so, uh, so the Lord used that. And uh, I, I retired from the military on the 15th of April and went to church, uh, came to the church and uh, started working here at Sherwood as one of the pastors on staff on the 18th of April. And uh, the Lord just started using it. And uh, man, it's fantastic. And um, right now, uh, I am the connections and local missions pastor and uh, connections, meaning people that are coming into the church. Uh, we got a fairly large church. And so trying to make a big church feel small. And so I connect with a lot of the members, new members, guests, and then also local missions. And I, I would say that's really my heart um, because I'm out in the streets a lot. Uh, we have another facility probably about five miles away from where we are. And uh, it's called the Hope Center. Uh, at the Coca-Cola plant. It's an old Coca-Cola building that was given to the church by Coca-Cola Bottling Incorporated. And uh, in that building, uh, we minister to prostitutes, drug dealers, drug addicts, uh, homeless. I mean, that is where my heart is. And so I spend a lot of time out on the streets. And um, matter of fact, the office that I'm in, I probably spend about two days in this. The rest of the time I'm down there uh, just kind of ministering to those men and women. Um, because I see a lot of real ministry going down and not that it's not happening here. A lot of real great ministry is happening here. Um, but we're getting ready. We're, we're, you know, have the opportunity that God has provided for us to go in some really tough areas. And so, so it's really good. Great. That's awesome. And when you say April, that's mm-hmm. this past April. So this is all recent. No, I'm sorry. April, 2011. Okay. And so I've been on staff here almost 11 years. Yeah. Praise God. And you know, the two areas of emphasis that your position holds missions and evangelism and connections. Um, those are two of our biggest things that we're working on right now as a church over here, Ottawa Bible is, um, and we love being outside of the office, you know, we love being out (laughs) with people. And so with that being said, I mean, right now we're, we're growing as a church. We recognize that in order to close that metaphorical back door, it's really important to connect people, you know? That's right. So can you speak a little bit more, you know, what you being a pastor, mm-hmm. offering us wisdom and counsel and advice, you know, what's honorable to the Lord and, and what suggestions could you give as it pertains to connecting people? What really matters and, and what have you all found success in? You know, there's there's one thing my pastor, our previous pastor, Michael Catt, always says. He said, I'm just one beggar helping another beggar find water. That's it. That's <laughs> it. I love that saying. And um, one of the things that, and, I, and I'll tell you, the things that we have been uh, the most successful at is um, caring for widows and orphans. There are two people in scripture that God consistently talks about, and that is widows and orphans. If the church doesn't have a heart for the people in their community that are widows and orphans, senior adults, 
I, I will tell you, we are missing the mark. And so we try with everything we have to make sure we are ministering to those uh, that have no voice, that have no advocate and have no choice. Those, those people in your community, the church needs to be rallying around them and showing them love. The times that we have seen, the times that we have done that and put our complete focus on those, those groups of people, the Lord has really poured out his love and resources on the church. I mean, it's like no holes barred. Here's everything that you need to minister to these people groups. And it has been phenomenal. And so with senior adults, we will minister to them in nursing homes. We will take them care packages. We'll send groups. We'll pray. We will, um, during Christmas, we'll sing Christmas carols. I mean, we will do everything. We'll send the nursing home workers prayer cards. Everybody that's in that facility that is has anything to do with supporting those senior adults, we are pouring love on them. And so that is that is one thing that we do. But then also on the flip side of that, we found out where our juvenile justice system has kids that have aged out of foster care. And so you've got some kids that have parents, but then you have kids that are 15, 16, 17, 18 who have not got picked up by parents. And they are just at this facility, very sterile facility. And so, man, we will go pick those kids up. We teach them life skills. We will teach them how to, to uh, do carpentry, sheetrock, plumbing, painting, all these different types of things. And let me tell you the beauty, let me tell you the beauty about this. And I get excited when I talk about this because <laughs> this, this, this goes on so many levels. The guys in our church that are there that are saying, Hey, I'm just coming for my wife. You know, I'm just, I'm just here because, you know, if, if I'm not here, my wife is going to get upset. But guess what? I start snatching those guys out of the pews and say, Hey man, don't you know how to do carpentry? He's like, absolutely. I love carpentry. All right, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to put you in and I'm going to bring some young boys around you and you're going to teach them how, oh man, absolutely, I can do that. And so we start pairing those together. I start discipling this guy on how to share the gospel with them. And now here you have a match made. You have what scripture talks about in discipleship. I'm discipling him. He is now coming and discipling these young people. And so that is fantastic. And not only the guys, I've got the ladies involved. We've got sewing machines uh, that we use and we take out to the communities and we go in these communities and these ladies are teaching young girls how to sew purses. They're bringing in their moms and they're, and I mean, man, it is phenomenal. And so those are, those are just a few of the ways that we're using uh, to minister to the people in our community. Man. Well, that's, man. that's amazing. My, my passion in life is the transition out of foster care, uh, young adults, uh, the 15, 15 years before coming here to serve at Ottawa Bible, that's all I did. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, yep. in the state of Arizona, so that's it's such a need. Um, some states are better than others, but uh, where where there are holes, the church should be picking up the slack um, and providing that opportunity to help them make that transition, learn how to get jobs, learn how to be a part yes. of the community, uh, which gives. Yes us the opportunity to disciple them and build strong relationships. So that's exciting that you guys are doing that, that you're, you're seeing that need in your community and you're tackling it. And really it's just following what scripture is telling us to do, uh, which is to serve those who are widows and orphans and, and take care of those people. So uh, very encouraging. uh, uh, That spurs me on uh, very much, especially for our community and the needs that are here. Amen. Amen. It's a great, 
challenge. You know, as Hebrews tells us to, you know, spur one another on to to love and good deeds. And that's what you've done for us right now. And it's just great to hear that y'all are having success in those areas. And it's it's somewhere we long to be. You know, we, we are reaching, but we, we want to reach more and we can do better. So, well, and I, I appreciate how you've used the, the job that you have as to, to connect people and you tie that into local missions. They're not two separate things. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we think connecting those who are showing up to church, uh, we need to have some sort of strategy just for them. But the reality is when you're connecting those people to people in the community, to serve them, to reach them. That's how you connect people. So I just love right. how you've connected the two roles instead of separated them into two different types of things. So that's that's a unique view that I know I'm going to take away from this meeting and it's very helpful. Amen, amen, amen. If you were to look forward, and maybe this is kind of a good place, um, you know, for us to to close things up. You know, we just, we're super grateful for your time, but want to be respectful of it too. Um, and by the way, we hope that Lord willing, you'd be able to come out here to OBC, teach us a thing or two and bring some wisdom. That'd be awesome. Um, Ken, as you look toward the future, you Mm -hmm. know, right now in your ministry, in the present, you have one thing, but as a pastor and as someone who, you know, there's a theme in this conversation of you've heard from the voice of the Lord and you know him and you know when he's leading and guiding is God currently leading in any other direction in the future? You know, do you have other dreams and other uh, places you feel the Lord may be leading either you individually or as a church? Um, You know, if you were to talk about the future, what's that look like? You know, our pastor just came in. His name is uh, Dr. Paul Godhart, man. One of the most godliest, I mean, man, great Bible teacher, phenomenal guy he just came into our church not too long ago i knew him before he came and uh phenomenal and uh, he is rolling out you know this coming sunday the vision that god has for sherwood baptist church and so he has sat down and got with the lord and said lord what do you want me to do with everything that you bless us with with the resources with the people with the giftings god how do you want us to use that and so man i am I am sitting on the edge of my seat on Sunday like this, like, all right, Lord, what do you want us to do? You know? And so I personally, I don't, I don't have anything that I'm like looking to do. I'm, I'm, I'm not like trying to be the next Denzel Washington of Christian movies. I'm not <laughs> trying to travel to Tahiti or anything like that. The Lord has blessed me, man. I, I, I am not even going to lie. He has blessed me tremendously. Great family, my loving wife, loving children. I've been all around the world. You know, so I'm not looking to make any like major moves, you know, unless the Lord says so. Um, but man, I am really waiting on the vision that our pastor has for our church for the next season of life. And here's why this is exciting, because uh, I preached last Sunday because our pastor wasn't here. And uh, I preached on David's response to the vision. When Nathan came and gave him the vision about, you know, what God was going to do in and through him, and I kind of give a synopsis, you know, uh, David says, hey, I want to build a temple for the ark. And Nathan says, hey, go do all that is in your heart. And later that night, God turns him around and says, hey, you go tell David, you know, you're not going to do this for me. 
But God says, listen, David, this is what I'm going to do for you. And David, as he was listening to Nathan speak those words from the Lord, man, he was super grateful. He says, who am I that you would even be mindful of me and my house? And so, man, as our pastor prepares to speak this vision and God, man, we're like, who are we that God would even decide, desire to use us? And so, man, I'm sitting right now in a, in a season of just gratefulness that God would even desire to pour out a vision for us for the next season of life. And so I, I don't have any plans right now. I'm just waiting in, in expectation. Wow. Yeah. Well, for one, I, I, I thank God uh, that he grabbed your heart uh, while you were in the military. Uh, and thank you for being obedient to him uh, and doing that to glorify his name uh, uh, above all. But thank you for serving uh, our country. Uh, really appreciate all the time and that mm-hmm. you have spent um, uh, just serving us and ensuring that we're protected. Uh, and I'm so grateful for that. And now you're serving our communities and serving people for the Lord and uh, and spreading the gospel. So uh, I appreciate your your testimony. Uh, that God has used you in, my, in mighty ways. And so uh, I can't wait to see what he does in the future uh, for your church and this vision that's coming. So Dakota, could you pray for us out? And and I just wanted to encourage you in that and keep going. I'm excited for you. Praise the Lord, man. Father, I thank you that you have uh, met with us just here in this conversation. Father, I pray that first and foremost that this would be used by you I thank you that throughout this conversation, there's been a little confirmations that you will use it. Thank you for um, the kindred heart of of reaching the lost and reaching orphans and widows, and especially the passion that Pastor Kyle has to identify with Pastor Ken. And I also just thank you for just the nature of the discussion that pertains to the future and how that's something that right now... Pastor Ken and his church is in the very midst of, and Lord, I thank you for that word. David's response, it just causes me to really be challenged to be thankful. So Lord, I pray, first of all, just saying thank you. Thank you for the blessing of this conversation. Thank you for the past, present, and future of how you're using Ken Bevel for your plan. Thank you that, God, your name is made more famous than anything else, and thank you that You've just decided to use, in Ken's words, a poor beggar. Thank you so much for what you've given us in salvation. And Lord, apart from blessing us and apart from blessing this conversation, we just quite simply, we know we don't have to beg you. We know that we don't have to grab your ear. We know that you already lower your ear from heaven because you want to hear from us. Lord, we pray for all the listeners in this discussion that they would be able to recognize the voice of the Spirit, that they'd be able to recognize what you're doing in their life, that they'd be challenged to be more zealous for the faith, that God, at the end of the day, they would see that you have moved in this conversation. Please do great things, Lord. We just want your name to be lifted up. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you that all he has done for us, and after you've given him to us, how will you not also with him give us all good things? Thank you for the awesome love that you have for us. Thank you for Pastor Ken Bevel, and thank you for his testimony. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.